I'm so glad that each one of you were able to come and just take some time away. And I'm super excited about hearing what Susanna has to say with us, uh, to us today and share with us because um, how long have we known each other? A long time? 10 years, 11 years. And actually I was uh, Brother Royal secretary for a couple years. So, um, but they have a wonderful, amazing family. When you work with someone close up like that, you just know their heart. You know their heart for people. You know their heart for family. You, you just see so many things. And uh, they, they have a wonderful, amazing family. They are gifted. They love people. They love to serve. And that's what I like about this family. They're not, they're not fake. You know, when you get around people and they're fake, you can tell, you know, and this couple is not fake. They're real. They're honest. They're sincere. And so I'm really excited. And um, I think the outline starts on page 26 in your book if you want to look for it. But she's going to come and share whatever the Lord's given her. Well, after that comedy act, I was thinking we should get up and take our new choices. <laughs> 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 I know, it could have been worse than that, huh? Uh, well, I am so honored to be here, and it's listening to Joy cracks me up because we feel that way about her and her husband. We just... I'm glad for you that they're here, and I'm thankful for the cause of Christ that they're here in Florida making a difference, but I miss them all the time, all the time. And she said she was my husband's secretary. Actually, she, we were part of the same team, and we worked together on a couple things. The first thing I remember really working with you on was a couple's retreat, so it's fun to get to come to a couple's retreat and get to work together on a couple's retreat again. Joy, I love it. And um this is a little personal blessing, but we had just moved to Lancaster. This says undo typing. If I hit OK and the whole lesson disappears, OK, good, it didn't. Um, basically, we had just moved to Lancaster, and our kids were 2, 4, 6, and 8, and our anniversary fell during leadership conference. And that's like our biggest event of the year. It's nuts. And she insisted on watching our kids like two nights before leadership. She had so much on her plate, I can't even tell you. And she insisted on watching our kids so we could have a date. And I was like, no, we've got so much going on. She's like, you cannot ignore your anniversary. So it was just one of the kindest things ever. You know, to this day, that's probably the kindest babysitting opportunity I've ever been given. I, in our, they move leadership. I'm like, sweet, I get my anniversary back. It's right by my birthday. And I laughed. I'm like, well, I think I'd rather celebrate my anniversary than my birthday. So anyhow, um, that just was so kind, Joy. I'll never forget that. And that just endeared my heart to you. So she's, that's just one little thing. She just was thinking about the big picture. She was investing in us. And that's what she does. She just serves everywhere she goes. So I'm thankful to get to be here and spend some time with her. When the guys left the room, I thought, this is our chance. We could slip. What was that place that you guys, the breakfast place across the way? First Watch. First Watch. I thought, we should just go get pedicures and go to First Watch. <laughs> this is That's my speed. If I'm going to be honest with you, I'd rather just visit with you over a table than stand up here and act like I know something because I don't. But my husband was raised in a Christian home. His parents, like he said, were first-generation Christians. My dad was a first-generation Christian, and my mom was a PK, preacher's kid. And my parents got married and went into the ministry, and they had, my dad had a moral failure, and so they lost their ministry. And my mom, as a single woman, raised four children, and actually she ended up adopting three more out of foster care and raised seven children. And her four birth children are all in the ministry today, and the three that you know are following love God with all their hearts. And so I have a lot to thank my mom for, but I've seen the grace of God in action is what I've seen. And so when God placed my husband and I together, 
I, if you'd have told me when we got, they're going to have all kinds of, we should laugh louder. <laughs> Ready, set, go. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> when God put my husband and I together, I, I would have never dreamed he would have put us in family ministry. I, I came from a domestic mess, and God chose to teach me what a home looks like from his word and um, from my husband and what he had seen. And God used me to put in my husband a caution and a carefulness to always be close with the Lord and each other. And so he put us together, two people that were totally a mess, and allow us to draw closer to the Lord. And I can't tell you how it's not us, it's the Lord that's just over and over again put us in family ministry. It's not what we necessarily felt a calling towards, it's just what God put us to. And so when I teach from God's word today, I promise you, this is not a person that thinks she's arrived. I know that I know that I know that I have not arrived, but I do know God. And I know what God can do. And so that's what I want to share with you today. So have you ever, how many, do you guys do escape rooms around here? Does anybody do escape rooms? Okay, then that, that illustration's out the door. How many of you are parents? You've ever birthed a child into the world? Okay. That moment when you bring a child into the world, the first time I was young and I just remember thinking, I just did it. I just delivered a baby. I did it. <laughs> that baby was there and I delivered. I just remember feeling like I just ran a marathon or something I conquered. And this feeling of accomplishment was so exciting. And then I held her in my arms, and it was just squelched by this overwhelming feeling of responsibility that was way bigger than delivering a child. It was like, for the rest of her life, she is my responsibility, and i got to figure this thing out. When she cries, i got to know what it means. Like, I can just remember going from this feeling of accomplishment to this feeling of total inadequacy. And... Um, it was years later, I was spending some time with my mother-in-law and some ladies in our church, and um, Mariah was probably three, and Lydia was two, and we had taught them scripture. And my mother-in-law was doing the grandmother thing where she wanted everybody to see how cute her granddaughters were, and, oh, say the verses for, you know, the ladies, and the ladies are like, oh, they're so cute. And there's just such few moments when you have two- and three-year-olds that you can be a proud mom, because there's so <laughs> many embarrassing moments, but it was one of those proud moments where you're like, yeah they're with me at the moment, you know, and they're standing there quoting scripture, and they were saying, every wise woman buildeth her house, you know, I get to see the little girls doing house, but the foolish, and they always do the crazy faces sticking out their tongue, the foolish plucketh it down with their hands, and um, they were so cute, and this mom of teenagers, we worked in youth ministry, turned to me and said, that is so wise to teach them that verse, I, I have two teenage daughters, I never thought to teach them that verse, and I don't want to say pride was swelling in my heart, but it was a good feeling like, okay, I did something right as a mom. There's so many days, all the wrong things you do are pointed out. It was a good moment. And then in total humility, she turned to me and said, now, what does it mean to be a wise woman and build your house? How do you teach your girls? How will you teach them to build their house? And she was truly waiting for me to give her this beautiful answer. And I'm like, no, we got the hand motions, you know, I mean, that's as far as I go right now, you know. Um, they're not even potty trained. Give me a minute. But it was just like that birthing moment, bringing a child in the world and realizing I had this huge responsibility. It wasn't enough just to say, a wise woman builds her house. Now go do it. You know, I had to know what it meant to be wise and to build my house. And if I didn't know, I wasn't going to teach three daughters how to be wise and build their house. So this lesson was birthed out of that moment. And I've taught it a few times and I just keep adding to it because I just need more and more. So that's where this lesson came from. And while this isn't a real funny lesson, it's actually pretty deep. If you'll just take a minute, if your home matters to you, and if God's word matters to you, then this lesson should, all, all of us should be like, here's our choices. We want to be wise women at build because we don't want to be foolish that pluck it down. And there was no in-between ground. We're either wise and building, or we are foolish and plucking down. And if we're not intentional about building, 
I can almost guarantee you if we're not intentional about building, we're accidentally plucking down. And so let's let's dive into this, this lesson. So the first verse we're looking at, if I could find my slot, is um, Proverbs 14, 11, Every wise woman buildeth her house, but the foolish plucketh it down with her hands. Now, I know that women are pretty incredible, Aaron, pretty incredible group of people and they can put just they can do just about anything they put their mind to but when you think of building like I like to design I'm like I don't know the math behind being an architect but I could really enjoy designing a house like I'd be all about it but if you wanted to talk to me about the, the sheetrock and the insulation and the plumbing and the hardwire I would care less about what kind of framework they use that just would not even interest me so when you think of building, I, I don't picture a whole team of women coming in with hammers to build. Now, I know they're capable, but usually builders are not, in general, women. But when God says it's time to build a house, he looks to the wife and says, wise women build. And I think it's interesting that God chooses to look to us to think of us as the builders, okay? The second time God talks about building a house is... Um, maybe not in this order, but another time, is in Psalms 127.1, the Bible says, except the Lord build a house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. So here God tells us a wise woman builds and the Lord builds. And I, I actually feel encouraged by that because I'm not on my own. I don't have to go build the house. The Lord has to be the one that builds it. And that means that we have to be, we have to have the Lord in everything we do. And we say that sometimes as Christians and don't realize the depth of it. It's not like, oh, yeah, except for the Lord, by God's grace. But we need to let that sink in like we truly need the Lord in on our home. And so before I go further, let's just stop and pray and ask the Lord to get on, on our homes and on this session, okay? Dear Jesus, I do pray that you would fill all of us with your spirit. Help every listener in this room to receive your word as you speak to each heart according to what we need. We all have such different homes and different husbands and different needs, and yet your word is truth for all of us. And I pray for our husbands next door. I pray that my husband would be filled with your spirit as he teaches, and I, I believe it's on being Christ-like, being like you. And I pray that every man in there would receive your word, and I pray they'd have a good time receiving your word. And then, Lord, I pause to just ask you to clear my mind and my heart and help me to focus in on what you want said. Help me to omit anything that you don't want said. And I pray that you'd use this lesson for all of us. Help it to ring true in our, our ears and in our hearts for years to come. We'll give you the praise and the glory. I love you, Jesus, so much. Thank you for this opportunity. Amen. Um, so the first thing we're going to build in your notes, we're going to build through wisdom. So basic. Isn't that great? You're going to remember this outline because it's super simple. I'm... I'm all about bottom shelf. We're going to build through wisdom. So before we can build, what is wisdom? Well, um, I looked it up, and the Hebrew word is referring to technical skills or experience or a shrewdness about just a, a, an understanding, a mind that's just sharp and intelligent. But the Bible tells us in Proverbs 4, 7, that wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. So it's something you can attain. Um, get wisdom, and with all thy getting, get understanding. Psalms 49.3, my mouth shall speak of wisdom. That's a good, that's a good thing to claim. Um, and the meditation of my heart shall be of understanding. It's interesting how wisdom and understanding are often used side by side in the Bible, and yet they have slightly different meanings. Proverbs 9.10 says, this is where we'll zoom in on, Proverbs 9.10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. And there is wisdom and understanding side by side again. 
when I liken this verse, uh, when I try to think of this verse, how to explain this verse, this is what comes to mind. How many of you have seen the teachers teach? Did you guys teach through Zoom? Did the teachers, were the public schools closed here? Okay, so they were closed for a long time in California. And so teachers were like in front of a camera teaching a bunch of children on the other side of these cameras. And I could just envision, you know, this dumb, not dumb, that's terrible. Forgive me. See, I'm apparently not a kindergarten teacher. This very slow learning kindergarten student and the teacher's trying to say, A says, ah, and the student's going, A says, and she's like, remember, A says, ah, and the child just is not getting it. And the child says, you know, what does A say? And she's like, for the 1500th time, you know, A says, ah. And she's trying to be patient with this child that's maybe not just slow learning, but also a little bit of a, you know, troublemaker. And she has no idea if the parent is on the other side critiquing her every move. So she has to stay patient and kind because she's got 30 students and 30 parents watching her, okay? I picture that when we think of our behavior towards our husband, like if I'm in the car with the Keelys, the way I treat my husband should be the same as when I'm in the car alone with my husband. But sometimes, if we're honest and we've been married more than two minutes, we would admit <laughs> that sometimes we're the ugliest to our husbands when nobody's looking. And the Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's like that teacher that fears the parents and what they think of them. We have to recognize we should fear the Lord and what the Lord thinks of us. I'm not nice to my husband because I'm worried what the Keelys think about my husband, the way I treat him. I want to be nice to my husband because I God gave him to me and God sees absolutely everything I do. That's a lot of pressure. It's not just while the Zoom call is going. It's like all the time. God sees what I do. So a wise woman recognizes what the way we treat our husband is all about the Lord. It's for the Lord. And what's great about this, okay, I know it's a ton of pressure when you think about God sees absolutely everything I do and I'm going to give account for everything I do. Let me just pause and say what's so freeing about this is it has nothing to do with the way my husband treats me. See, if my husband's good to me, it's a little easier for me to be good back. If my husband's rotten to me, it is so hard, especially in the morning, <laughs> to, be, to be nice back. But if I'm doing it for the Lord, it's almost like if he's nice to me and I do it, what thank have I? You know, When he's being difficult and I love him in a difficult moment, I'm doing something really special as unto the Lord. That's what the Bible teaches us. It's as unto the Lord. And so it's actually a gift I can give to the Lord. Being a gracious wife is a gift I do for the Lord. So no matter where your marriage is at, if you're at a point where it's kind of easy and you're kind of, things are finally like clockwork or you're kind of butting heads a lot and it's so much work, it doesn't matter where you're at. It's a blessing to take a pause and back up and say, it's for the Lord. I'm going to be a good wife, not in response to what he says or does. I'm going to be a wise woman and do this for the Lord because the Lord sees everything. When we get to that point, that's when we're living in wisdom. We're not doing it for anything but for the Lord. It's That's understanding, the fear of the Lord. We do it because we're afraid of the Lord. Not like afraid of the Lord, but recognizing he sees everything and he, he rewards accordingly. Um, so A underneath that is recognize everything we do, whether good or bad, we do it unto the Lord. Um, secondly, um, we're going to pray for wisdom. I love this promise. This is one that I just have to claim all the time. Like I said, I, there's nothing good in Susanna Rule. And over and over again, I feel like people have looked to us from a young age for things that were beyond our years. And it had to come from the Lord. And you know what? Our children do that to us too. Or people, if you teach a Sunday school class, they're looking to you to have some wisdom if you ever feel that, um, I like that undeserving feeling like, Lord, I don't have what it takes to do this, here's the promise God gives us in James 1.5. If any of you 
if any of us, if any of us lack wisdom, uh, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally. And that word liberally means generous or bountifully. I'm all about that. Um, see, let's let's look for wisdom in, um, but through fearing the Lord, recognizing it's for the Lord, through praying for wisdom. And see, I put down, spend time with wise women. The Bible says in Proverbs 13, 20, he that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. That's not just for teenagers. Sometimes we think that's for teenagers that are hanging around, you know, gangsters or, you know, drug addicts. That's for wise women. If we want to be wise, our closest friends should have good good understanding of being a good wife or loving the Lord. I have lost friends too that I want to reach out to, but if I'm going to let somebody sharpen my life, it's not going to be somebody who has rebellious children and a horrible marriage. I'll love on her, but I don't want to spend so much time that she's sharpening me because I'll catch myself rolling my eyes at my husband. So we as wise women need to spend time with wise women. When Gabe and I got engaged, he had worked as a teenager uh, for this company, this um this fencing company and this couple had done it for years well when we got engaged this lady her name was judy willer took me out to lunch and she just we chatted up the wedding talk and then she opened up her prayer journal and she said gabe has worked for us for several years now and everything he does turns to gold we call him our joseph she said that i'll never forget it she's with the lord now but she said susanna i wanted to show you how i pray for gabe because now he's yours and i want you to pray for gabe And she just had this long list of things. She had been praying for this teenage boy, her pastor's son, that she just loved him. So she prayed over, I mean, it was a detailed list she'd prayed for. And she said, now it's yours. And she gave me this list. And honestly, at the time, I had no idea what she's given me. But her prayer life was amazing. And when she passed away, her daughter let me look through her prayer list. She was praying for me. She was praying for my mother-in-law. She was praying for the whole family. And I needed her to sharpen my life, to reach into my life and say, it's more than just about a wedding and a frilly dress. This is the guy that God wants to use. I hope you're praying for him. And that's something God wants us too to have ladies that will speak into our life and say, girl, no, 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 you don't want that. You want, aim this way, you know, shoot for this. We want to be sharpened. And sometimes as women, we get competitive. If we're around a godly person, we just, it bothers us. It rubs us the wrong way. And we kind of feel like, well, I don't want to spend time with her. She'll see I have dirty cupboards. <laughs> God forbid she knows I do laundry, you know. <laughs> she might come in and see I have laundry on my couch. That's just pride. And we have to get that out of the way and allow godly women to speak into our lives. We need it. The Bible tells us it sharpens us. So that's the second way to focus in, or the third way, excuse me, to focus in on wisdom. We want to spend some time with wise women. And I do want to pause here and just say, <clears throat> Eve took of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. She did it in her mind. to She thought it was good for the eyes and desired to make one wise. She took of that fruit. I really believe she, she took of it wanting to know more. And we have to recognize in our world, there's so many ways to get degrees and further our education and books and blogs and internet, all kinds of things you can listen to. That doesn't mean it's going to make us wise. It may be exactly against what God has asked of us. And so in our pursuit for knowledge, let's just pause and ask the Lord if he's in it. Because Eve, in her pursuit of wisdom, really, I mean, she... She cursed us all. <laughs> she, and we don't want to do that. I don't mean to be overdramatic, but there really is something to pausing and asking the Lord to be the one that's speaking into our lives with wisdom and who our influences are and, and what we listen to and read. <clears throat> and then I think this might, I have two more under this. Do I? Yeah. Um, uh, speak and be silent with wisdom. Boy, boy, this one's for me. 
I'm one of those people that if it gets kind of quiet or awkward, I just feel like I need to keep the conversation going. And sometimes the longer I talk, the deeper I dig myself in and it just gets awkward. And I'm like, Susanna, just bite your tongue. And the Bible says, she openeth her mouth with wisdom and in her tongue is the law of kindness. The Bible says in Proverbs 29, 11, a fool uttereth all his mind, but the wise men keepeth it until afterwards. So there's a time to speak with wisdom and there's a time to hold it back. And you're going to have to ask the Lord to show you that one because I'm, I'm forever on the journey of trying to learn this one. But I threw some illustrations in here. I did these years ago. They may not resound with you. You can think of your own, okay? But sometimes we just speak because we our husbands are our best friends. So we just speak what's on our mind. It doesn't make us wise, though. So there might be a time where you're thinking, it just feels like you're always working. And that's what we want to say. It feels like you're always working. When we should probably be saying something like, thank you for working so hard to provide for our family. See how... That you're always working, we just twisted it like it's a bad thing that they work hard, but we could say, thank you for working so hard. Well, that's the difference between tearing down and building up. Um, they don't give you a raise, we're just gonna need to find a way to bring in more money. Or we could say it's gonna be tight, but if we cut back here, we can make budget. You know, we look for the positive. Um, <laughs> do you think God wants you to resign? Do you think he wants you to quit that job? Or we could say, let's just continue to pray for God to guide us. We could say something like, is your boss always that hard on you? <laughs> Have you ever caught your boss being, your husband's boss being hard on him? You could say, your boss is so blessed to have an employee like you that responds the way you do. Um, this is one that I just think the devil likes to, to um, he just likes to come between our most important relationships. And we as women are discerning and we have sensitive spirits. I can't tell you how many times I have felt like that message was for me pastor said that because he knows about our situation and I've heard women say that too and I'm like no I promise he doesn't know about your situation you know but that's something our minds can think and so we could say do you think pastor was referring to our family tonight or we could say pastor was spot on and I was convicted because <laughs> that might be more true so we can we can cause dissension and tear down or we can build up and then the last one I put down is we could say something like, will you be missing dinner again tonight? Or we could say, you know, I'm going to keep dinner hot. Why don't you text me and let me know when you're on the way and I'll make sure it's hot for you. So our mind maybe leans towards thinking negative, which tears down. And in wisdom, we can hold back our words and speak and build up. And these are things I'm working on too. And then the last thing under wisdom that I have is avoid foolish behavior, which seems like it's a given, but it's not always for me, right? Um, Disney wants us to follow our heart. <laughs> Don't follow your heart, ladies. Do not follow your heart. The Bible says that uh, he that putteth his trust in the Lord shall be made fat, but he that trusteth in his own heart is a fool. Uh, whoso walketh wisely, he shall be delivered. So that's my excuse now. I've just been trusting the Lord too much, and that's why my soul's been made fat. No, the word fat there actually means refreshed, okay? So when we put our trust in the Lord, we're refreshed. But when we trust in our own heart, we, we're a fool. So we, we, we tend to sometimes run on experience, and that's not always the, the best to do. We need to trust the Lord to guide us and not personal experience. That's your first point underneath that. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean on into thine own understanding. We want to be trusting the Lord with how to handle things. And there is that tendency. I've been down this path before. I know what he's going to say. I know what he's going to do. I know my husband. Well, let's just calm down and trust the Lord in it. God will take care of our husbands. If we're, if we're focusing on trusting the Lord, God... It all comes out in the wash, as Grandma used to say. Um, and I, the illustration I put in here that I wanted to share with you that God has just brought to mind so many times is Job's wife. You know, there, it's amazing, the heroes of the faith. You think of a, a woman that's gone through a huge amount of trials. I think of precious friends of mine that just have lost child after child in, in miscarriage. My heart grieves for them. 
but their faith and their strength inspires me. The lady across the street, she lost her, she didn't lose her husband. God chose to take her husband for cancer when she was expecting their third child. Here's a police officer, a deacon's kid, grew up in the church, and God took him home early. And she just inspires me every day the way she just leans into the Lord. Job's wife would have been in that. I mean, she lost 10 children. Her husband lost his business. They lost all of their savings. They lost their, they lost everything. And then he lost his health. And it's, an, it's amazing to watch a person grieve. They go through this cycle. And if they go through a cycle where they're bitter and you're close to them, you just love them through it because you know if anybody has something to work through, they deserve a minute to work through it. So I look at Job's wife and think she needed a minute. But she didn't really get it because all eyes were focused in on her and she got discouraged. And it's hard to suffer. I think it's sometimes worse to watch somebody you love and respect suffer. And if anybody knew that Job was perfect and upright, as the Bible says, Job's wife knew it. So she knew how loyal he was to God. And she watched God, what she felt like, turn his hand against him. And she wasn't seeing the goodness of the Lord. She was seeing God turn his hand against the person she loved the most after she lost the 10 other people she loved the most in this whole world. Can you imagine the devastation she felt? The very fact that they stayed together married is a miracle. Statistics are so against you on that. But in that moment of despair, she just was like, the pain isn't going to end until you just curse God and let him take your life. So she says, curse God and die. Absolutely, I don't agree with it. I'm not trying to like explain away her, but let's just think about where she was in that moment. Those are the words that slipped out of her mouth. She probably knew what her husband was going to say. Absolutely not. We're not going to curse God. We're going to worship him. But in her moment of despair, she says these words, and that's what goes down in the perfect word of God forever about her. Not that she endured, lost 10 children, stayed with her husband, they lost everything, and they stuck together. Just that she, in her weakest moment, let something slip out of her mouth that I'm not even sure she really meant. And that's when we say, let's watch what we say, because if she'd have thought it but not said it, that's not what she would have gone down for. But she went down for her weakest moment. I, I just hope that my weakest moment doesn't define me that way. You know, all the good things she must have accomplished. So no pressure, but when you're feeling low, let's speak and be silent with wisdom. Let's just hold our tongues. Let's not... Let's not choose to spew it all out, even to our best friend and our husband late at night. Let's just take it to the Lord. And the Bible says that Job turned to her. He said unto her, Thou speakest as one of the foolish women speaketh. He didn't say, You're such a fool, or you always do this. He said, You sound like a foolish woman. He's like, You're not a foolish woman. That's not you, but you sound like a foolish woman. And then he said, Shall we not receive good at the hand of God? And shall we not receive evil? In all this did... Uh, not Job sin with his lips. So we that, that point underneath there is learn to receive the evil at the hand of the Lord as well as the good. There's moments that we just have to trust the Lord and it's just beyond our explaining. Okay, I knew I was going to take forever on wisdom. Let's move on to point number two. Remember how many times those words were side by side, wisdom and, did you catch it? Understanding. So the second point is we're going to build through understanding. Remember our, our, our verse for this lesson is Proverbs 24, 3 and 4, and it says, Through wisdom is in house builded, and by understanding, it is established. I brought this with me. This is how old my kids were when Joy was working there at Lancaster. Does that look about like when you met them? Maybe, maybe younger, I don't know. But this, my sister gave me this, and it says the Rule Family. And right here it says established 2001. So June 8th, 2001, boom, rules were established. So we think of it as the wedding altar. We say I do, and a family is established. 
God's word says, remember, it says, um, let me find my verse. It says, through wisdom it's builded, and by understanding it is established. So if I want my home fixed or made firm, as the definition goes, the Hebrew word for established is made ready, prepared, fixed. Um, if I want that on a stable basis, a permanency to my home, it needs to be from an understanding heart. Um, let's look at what Job says about understanding. Job says in Job 28, 28, it says, And unto the man he said, Behold the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. We talked about the beginning of wisdom is recognizing the Lord sees everything and fearing him. Then it says, And, de and to depart from evil is understanding. How many of you have been saved for five years or more? How many of you have been saved for a decade or more, 10 years or more? How many of you have been saved for 20 years or more? Okay, there's, there's quite a few. Okay, so let me just say for those of us that have been saved a long time, it's really good just to stop and pause and recognize that we can sometimes know what to do. And like, you know, we're talking and she comes to me and asks, it, oh girl, I know what you need to do. Here's what the Bible says. I got five verses for you off the top of my head. Here they are, ready, set, go. But in my own life, sometimes I'm not so quick to do it. Like literally, I couldn't wait to get in the car with Joy because I had two questions I wanted to ask her so bad because I just needed her to, you didn't even know it, but I was the whole secretary thing. I was like, okay, we gotta talk about this because she's done this for so many years, she could speak it to my life. But the truth is I already knew the answer. But in your own life, you can kind of be like, but I don't really have to do that because I have these five reasons why I don't. Okay, here's the difference between wisdom and understanding. Wisdom is the knowing of what to do, and God sees it, and we do it for God. And the understanding is the practical application. It's like, not only do I get it, I'm going to sacrificially do what is wise. Because the Bible says the fear of the Lord is wisdom, and to depart from evil is understanding. To take it home and run with it, that's where understanding comes in. Not just knowing what to do and having the wisdom of, oh, she just always knows. But she's living it. She's got it. She has a real walk with God and understanding of how to apply this. The illustration I put in here for this is David. Remember when David was with Bathsheba? David was a wise man. He was a man after God's own heart. And he foolishly slept with Bathsheba. They're about to have a child together. Nathan the prophet comes in to confront him, and Nathan makes up this whole story about this precious beloved lamb, and this other guy takes it and sacrifices it, and David's so livid angry. And in all of this, David doesn't even get he's talking about him. Like, if someone came in here and was, like, calling my sin out subtly, I'd be like, yeah, I do that all the time. I'm so bad. I would know it was me, but David was not even aware that Nathan was talking about him. And David's, like, fired up. We're going to go get that man, and we're gonna, he's going to pay for what he's done. And Nathan looks at him and says, thou art the man. It's you. You did that. David had all the wisdom to know, but he lacked total understanding. Okay, the Bible even says in Proverbs 6.32, Whoso committeth adultery with the woman lacketh understanding. He doesn't even get what he's done. Um, that's Proverbs 6.32. The Bible tells us in Matthew 7.24, Therefore, whoso heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him to a wise man which buildeth his house upon a rock. And that's what we want. We won't just want to hear the words of God. We want to do the words of God. Okay? So, how do we get understanding? Ready? Number, letter A, we're going to pray for understanding. You're like, this is so redundant. You told us to pray for wisdom. Now we're going to pray for understanding. Well, let's go back to our story. David has that son Solomon from Bathsheba. We all know Solomon's the wisest man that ever lived. 
Where did Solomon get his wisdom and understanding? In 1 Kings 3.9, Solomon prays, Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people that I may discern between good and bad, and this speech please the Lord. We always talk about he's the wisest man. Solomon actually asked for an understanding heart. Wisdom and understanding really do go side by side, but they're, while they're used side by side and sometimes interchangeably, they're also two distinct things. It's wisdom and understanding. And he asked for the understanding, not just to know how to do it, but to do it, the, the power to the ability to do what he, he knew was right to do. Um, and it pleased the Lord. So we can ask that of the Lord. And it'll please the Lord when we ask for an understanding heart. Proverbs 18.2 says, A fool hath no delight in understanding, but that his heart may discover itself. And I have a lot of family that's into psychology and things of this nature. And I find the study of the mind and the soul very interesting. But... When we get too caught up in understanding ourselves, sometimes we walk away from spiritual principles. We're just selfish in our thinking. Well, you need to understand how I hear this, or you need to know what I think. Or When we study ourselves according to this verse, it's just to discover ourselves. That's a, what a fool does. A fool has no delight in understanding, but just that it can discover itself. And we don't want to focus so much in a relationship when you're in a disagreement. We want our spouse to get where we're coming from. I like to be understood. When I'm misunderstood, I really want to stop and make sure everybody understands what, what my intentions were, you know. And maybe you're that way too, but God doesn't want us to necessarily make it all about ourselves. Just seek to be understood or seek to understand rather than to be understood. Understand where the other people are coming from. And so let's just pause for a minute. Maybe you could even jot this in your notes and ask yourself. I, I read this in a book about finishing strong, or, um, and, and it, it's just a good quote. Am I an understanding spouse? What is it like to live with me or to be around me when I'm having a bad day? And then you'll know what your spouse, then you're understanding where your spouse is coming from. When you stop to think, am I an understanding spouse? What's it like to live with me? When I have a tough day, what is it like to be around me? So... Under understanding, there's not a lot of subpoints. I put in there, pray for it, because God word, God's word shows us Solomon was blessed for praying for it. But secondly, and this was this may be, the, for me, the hardest second point, okay, is be, accept correction. The Bible says in Proverbs 15, 32, he that refuseth instruction despiseth his own soul, um, but he that heareth a reproof getteth understanding. And I just want to pause and clarify. I don't want us to misunderstand this. It's not that understanding people hear reproof it's that people that hear reproofs gain understanding is how that's said and so we have to be teachable and receive correction i can remember when we were newlyweds i would go to a, i would go to a couple's retreat well first of all i'd be like we were always running them from the minute we got married and and i would be in the back like you guys running all these things but you guys made it into the sessions and i can just remember being in the back thinking we got to get in there my husband like oh no no we got to finish this game or finish this thing i'm like no 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 we really got to get in there. We should really get in there for that session. And I just remember him thinking, well, let me wrap up these few things. And I just remember thinking, no, really, we have got to get in that session. Like, I need this session. But um, I was going somewhere with this. Where was I going with this? Oh, oh, we finished the couple's retreat and we go out to lunch and I'd be like, okay, sweetheart, what's something you'd want me to work on? And I confess to you, Joy, I wasn't just wanting him to tell me something I needed to work on. I wanted that minute to tell him some things I thought we could work on, you know? So it was just like, let's get out our pen and paper and let's share with each other some things we could get better on, you know? And he, and he would just say all the right words. Oh, sweetheart, you're, I'm so blessed to have you. I don't need you to change a thing. And I'm like, no, really, give me something so I can give you something back, you know? I just remember thinking that way. My terrible motives, I'm being totally transparent here. There's nowhere to hide. 
but he would never give me something to work on and it would frustrate me like and I know I should be thankful because I know I we counsel men that give their wives these long lists so I should have been thankful that my husband wasn't one of them but it was irritating to me and then one day he kind of got on to me about something and I'm just like he just told me the what for? You know, I don't, how dare he give his opinion about the way I parent, you know, or whatever. I don't even remember what the issue was now. But I remember being so like, how, that is so hurtful. How could you say that to me? And just thinking that was just so mean. And it was like the Holy Spirit in that moment was like, you asked him to tell you something he wanted you to work on. He just did. You just didn't ask for it just now. And that's sometimes how correction comes when we least expect it and from somebody we love and admire and then the dagger in our heart and we're like, how could you say those harsh words? But regardless of who it comes from or the tone it comes from, if we want to be understanding people, we need to receive correction and as if it's from the Lord. And that'll give us the understanding hearts that we need. Um, okay, let's move on to the last one because this is the fun one. And I, my husband said, you need the full 45 minutes? And I'm like, I, once I get going, I just get going. It's terrible. But the last one is knowledge. We're going to build through knowledge. And this is the fun one. You, I said at the beginning, I don't care about what's behind the walls or in the plumbing, but I love to, to decorate, you know, I, the layout, the decor. That's fun for me. Well, that's this part of it and knowledge. It makes our homes a beautiful place. It's not just the building. It's, it's what makes it a happy place. God's word says it. It says, through wisdom a house is built and understanding it's established. And by knowledge shall the chambers be filled with all precious and pleasant riches. The word pleasant, lovely, delightful, happiness, friendly. Our home is filled with joy and pleasantness when we have good knowledge and understanding of what my hus- what your husband needs. All of us have different husbands with different needs. And that's what, when people talk about it getting better and better every year, what they mean is if you keep working at it, it really does become really fun. You get to knowing each other like clockwork. You know what they want. They know what you want. And if you keep pursuing each other's heart, it just is so sweet and so beautiful. Um, so continue learning your husband. I, I, I took some of the side notes out because it just was a lot of information. But 1 Corinthians 11.9 says, Neither was the man created for the woman, but the woman for the man. And I know that's so against culture today. But if we love God, we should love this word. God created us as a gift to our husband. And that's just so cool. Because who doesn't love a gift? And that's what we get to be, is to help complete them and be a blessing to them. And so we want to do that. We don't want to get caught up in our own, he didn't do this for me. I, I had a lady one time in bitterness of soul say, I did all this for my husband, and I, I don't even need to get into it. But her spirit was so, he should do anything I ask of him. And we don't want to get so sideways that that's our spirit. Our spirit should be, I would do anything for him to help him. That's what God created me to do. So I'm a gabeologist. You're a Danologist. I don't know what your, all of your husband's first names are, but you, you are on the, the day you got married, you became the woman who studies your husband forever. So make him your life study. Learn, I don't know if you have, is there a John, husband of a John? No? What's your husband's name? Rogan. You got a, she's a Roganologist. That's Rogan what she is. <laughs> You're for the rest of your life going to study your man and with knowledge, understand, and, and, and ask the Lord to help you meet his needs. Your husband might say, I just need a happy wife. Happy wife, happy life, isn't that what he said? I just want joy. Maybe maybe respect is a big deal to your husband. And I'm here to tell you, men measure respect so differently than we measure respect. We had a disagreement years ago. It was on his birthday. And everything had gone wrong. We only had 45 minutes at home. And I had this fun dinner planned. And someone knocked on the door. And my kids were like, it's a guy from dad's class he's probably here to wish him happy birthday and open the door and that man was just had was full of problems and so he needed my husband to come out and he just was 
So for 30 minutes, they're out there of our 45 minutes at home. So he comes in, and we all had to go to the game. We never even got time. So I was kind of having a bad attitude about his birthday being spoiled. And we get to the game, and sure enough, we walk on the campus, and security stops him. He's like, we have all these things we need to talk to you about. I'm like, okay, we got to get into the game. So we go get our daughter into her little part to play her game, and they stopped us and said, now it'll be this much money for your family to come into the gym. And I'm like, hmm, I don't have any cash tonight, you know. And then I'm embarrassed because I'm just standing at the gym entrance with no cash. I'm like, I'll be right back with some cash. So I couldn't get the keys from my husband because he's talking to security, so I can't go to the bank. So my daughter's like, I've got money in my locker. So we run to the locker, and the locker was jammed, and we couldn't get it. I mean, I'm just telling you, everything went wrong. And my husband pulled up to get us, and he got my door so sweetly, and there was a backpack on the seat. And I just was like, and just walked around and opened the door and got in on the other side. And I didn't sigh and roll my eyes. I just was like, for real, I'm just going to solve this problem, you know? And I got in the car, and my husband's like, honey, I just got the door for you. Why didn't you just get in? And I'm like, oh, there's a backpack on the seat. So I went around. He was like, no, for real. Like, and I'm thinking, we're not going to make an issue of this backpack, you know. So my mind, I take a deep breath. I'm like, honey, can we please not spoil the day over this? It just feels like everything's gone wrong, and it's your birthday. We want to make today special. So in my mind, girls, y'all are on my side, right? I was so respectful. I had so many things I wanted to say at that moment, but I did not say them. So later that night, the word, the choice word he used was disrespect. He's like, I just felt disrespected by you in front of the children. I'm thinking, buddy, I could have shown you some disrespect. <laughs> I know how to do that, and I could have done it, but I did not. I thought I was an angel, like really, truly an angel in that moment. But it, to him, it was just that I undermined him and told him how to behave. And for your husband, it might be something totally different. He doesn't want to be mothered, okay? I don't know. I have no clue what respect feels like to your husband. You can, you could know that. And there's times my husband will sit down and say, sweetheart, what could I do better with this lesson? And he really, truly wants me to feed into what he should do, where somebody else's husband would not want their wife to speak into it. So you need to know your limits. Know your husband. Know what's what he accepts and loves and what pleases him and what does not please him and makes him feel respected and disrespected. Maybe for him, for your home, it's being organized or maybe it's all about food. We were with a couple and my husband and I said, now, what did you fall? You know, and he's, oh, she can cook. And I thought, that's so awesome. If that's what my husband said about me, I'd be like, I can do other things too, you know, but he, my husband wouldn't, that's the thing. He would never say, <laughs> she's a good cook. She's good at ordering. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so maybe your husband, and I'm going to touch on this and we're almost done. Maybe it's physical intimacy. And I would say, my husband mentioned, we love to read books on marriage. Almost every book touches on how important that is. And books of yesteryear would say that's like a number one need for a man. And I just want to submit to you that you may not even realize what a need it is for you. Women don't want to feel used. So we might say, oh, he just wants it again. But can I just submit to you, God made us for each other. And so while your husband's craving physical intimacy, we all know we shouldn't withhold. The Bible tells us we shouldn't withhold it to render due benevolence. There's more to it than just rendering due benevolence. And the knowledge part gets it. It's not just enough to not say no or to comply. Your spouse needs you to want him and to need him. And if you don't, when David was rejected by his wife, Michael, he says to her, and she's not even rejecting him physically. She's just mad at him for his behavior. And he says, see all those women out there? Of them I'd be had in honor. That's what he says. There's a woman that would have your husband in honor if you won't have him. And that shouldn't make you feel a pressure. It honestly should make you review the way you look at your husband like, I should want him in honor. And a wise woman more than recognizes that chasing your husband physically meets a need in his heart, it honestly will meet a need in your own. 
And it's not just about meeting their need, it's learning to get into the, the sexual role of, of completing him, making him happy, fulfilling him, and learning what you like. And being fulfilled sexually too will meet a need in his heart. Your husband desires to please you, and if he's felt rejected over the years, it turns into, I hate having to ask her for it. Okay, well, she wants, she's letting me. That's great. But it needs to be more, my wife wants me and loves what we do together. And it's not fake it till you make it. It's asking the Lord to have a wise and understanding heart to really want your husband sexually and to meet that need. And ladies, some of you may have experienced, you know, some type of abuse in your lifetime. And boy, the devil likes to bring that into the bedroom. And I'm here to tell you, God doesn't want that. God wants to give you the strength you need to be the lover your husband made you, your husband needs you to be. God made you to be that lover. If he gifted you to your husband, he will gift you with the skills you need to be a lover that meets his need. Not just to fake it till you make it, but that truly chases your husband in a way that makes him feel like the lover you want him to be. It's so sweet in the closeness that can bring to a marriage when a wife is pursuing her husband and her husband feels wanted. How much, when talked to, my husband said, talked last night about naked and unashamed. I know that sounds silly, but there's nothing between them. It's not just a clothing thing. It's a soul thing. It's meant to be a closeness. And you may have felt it that first time you were together, a connection that was just hard to explain. After all these years, you can still have that connection if you're still chasing and pursuing each other physically and emotionally and spiritually. So there's, I don't know what your husband's need is. It might be that he needs vegan meals. I don't know what he needs from you that would be such a help to him. But when you have the knowledge of what it is to meet his needs, then your chambers are filled with all the pleasant riches that God's word talks about. And I want to make this into a little bit of a Bible study. I just want to share something really cool with you, okay? So I didn't just randomly pull out this verse that talks about how wisdom a house is building and understanding it's established and knowledge the chambers are filled with all pleasant and precious riches. It's not just that God built our home with wisdom and understanding. You want to hear a couple cool verses? Ready for this? The Bible says in 2 Chronicles 2.12, it might be in your notes, when God was teaching us how to build a house, we know what he required, but when God wanted to build the heaven and earth, look what he used. The Bible said, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel that made heaven and earth, who hath given David the king a wise son, endued with prudence and understanding that it might build a house for the Lord um, and a house for his kingdom. So when God used David to build the temple, I got ahead of myself, sorry if I confused you. When God used David to build the temple, he used somebody that was full of wisdom and prudence and understanding, a wise son full of prudence and understanding. That's who he wanted to build the temple. He had wisdom and understanding so he could build his temple. Look at this verse. It says, let's see here. I'm missing a verse. Here it is, Proverbs 3.19. The Lord by wisdom hath founded the earth, and by understanding hath established the heavens. When God made the universe, what were the two ingredients that he had present? He had wisdom to found the earth and understanding to establish the heavens. I just think it's amazing when God's scripture in two totally different passages is teaching us that when God wants to build your home, wisdom and understanding need to be present. When God went to build the universe, wisdom and understanding had to be present. When he wanted to build his sacred holy temple, what had to be present? Wisdom and understanding. And that's what God wants of us today. And I'll end with this last thought. I read an article a long time ago now, but the Continental Airline had an airplane crash but way back in 2000, and in that crash, 113 people died. I should not be saying this right after I fly, right, or right before I fly. 113 people perished, and it was like 10 years later that this whole story went to trial, and the investigators found that metal debris shredded one of the plane's tires, 
that propelled rubber into the fuel tanks and it sparked a fire. This is what happened. The airline, along with one of the mechanics, were found criminally responsible because the tank should have been able to handle that kind of pressure. And it was found that they were aware of this weakness over 20 years before this happened. But because, this is what they said, it was without incident, it never received their attention. And I just pause to say in this little illustration, isn't that like us? Sometimes we'll say, well, it works for my marriage. Well, that's just how we are. And we just have our grind, and this is how we do it. And it's just because it's without incident doesn't mean it's not going to at some point become explosive. I can't tell you how many times we counsel couples that, like he was joking, but seven years she never said a word, and then she's like, I'm not saying any of you are on the verge of that. I'm not saying that at all. But it's okay to stop, and even though you're not in a place where you're butting heads all the time, it doesn't hurt to stop and really give yourself a good, deep cleaning and look over, like, how am I treating my husband before the Lord? Am I good? Lord, are you pleased? What are some slight adjustments? I don't have to overhaul the engine, but what's some slight adjustments I could make to be a better a better spouse? Um, and let's all work together towards that, okay? Let's close in a word of prayer, and then we'll open those back doors. Lord, I just love you, and these ladies have been so responsive and accepting and so easy to talk to, and I just thank you for that, and I pray that you'd help us to receive your word for what it is. Help us to look for moments to become wiser women that know you better, that know your word better, that know what you want from us more, and God, would you please give us the strength and the grace to become more like you, and I pray that you keep being patient and reaching into our lives and helping us. And I pray even today that each of these ladies would just have a good time and a chance to just laugh with their mate, that they would have fun and laugh and make memories that would last a lifetime. I thank you for the friendships that are in this room. I pray we would all sharpen one another and give us, Lord, wisdom to discern how to, to incre increase our learning and to bless each other and help us to never be a distraction to one another. Lord, I love you so much. I thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.